man, oh man, oh man. I tell you what, Suns fans, it's it's a good time to be a member of the Phoenix Suns, right? It's a great time to be a member of the Phoenix Suns fan base. They go, well, they don't go anywhere. They stay at home. They play the Brooklyn Nets tonight on national TV, an NBA on TNT game. And although we got kind of the B crew in the studio, Dwayne Wade and Candace Parker instead of Kenny Smith and uh, Charles Barkley, it's a game that a lot had a lot of eyes on it. And the Phoenix Suns, Matthew, come out, dominate, win by 10, now have won 11 in a row. And through the first 50 games of the season, the team is 41 and 9? Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, dude, what's going on? Like, what's going on? I don't know what's going on, but hopefully it doesn't stop. Uh, let's not let's not worry about what's going on. Let's just enjoy it, right? You know, it's just it's it's crazy because you know they welcome back Steve Nash and Amari Stoudemire. And I think the last time the Nets were here, I don't think Amari was actually on the staff, like sitting there courtside. But it was cool to see them to come back and get their ass whooped by the Phoenix Suns, and also just a look in Harden's eyes towards the end of the game. Like Harden's like, what what is going on here? Like how? Do, how did I not continue to play with this guy, Chris Paul, and continue to win ball games? Yeah, it's just a different brand of basketball. And, you know, it was a great guard matchup tonight. It was Kyrie Irving and James Harden versus Devin Booker and Chris Paul. And, you know, kind of to your point, like James probably is leaving going, damn, man, like how did, how did, how did we not at least make an NBA Finals appearance? Because this guy is so cerebral, this guy being Chris Paul, and the way that he plays basketball is so elite. Uh, mm-hmm. it's just, it, it's fun to watch. It's fun to watch for us fans, right? Yeah. Yeah. And also just really quick too, J- uh, Draymond Green was on the JJ Reddick podcast, whatever the name of it's called. And they were talking about the series where Paul did get hurt and they were saying, well, if Paul didn't get hurt. You think they would have had a chance to win? And Draymond's like, nah, nah, but you can hear it in his voice. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They probably would have won. So, I mean, it's definitely a situation where Harden probably could have maybe hopes he wishes he can go back to that time and just continue a little bit more success with the guy. Hey, what could have been, but you know what? Oh, it benefits well. the sons because exactly. Oh, well, yeah. I don't oh, know what well. I'm talking about. <laughs> no, it's a good <laughs> podcast. That's why. Uh, well, welcome yeah. ladies and gentlemen to the sun's jam session podcast, the best post game podcast on planet orange. I'm John. You can follow me on Twitter at Darth void. He's Matthew. You can follow him, Mighty Lucy, and you can follow the show at Suns Jam on Twitter. Uh, if you're if you're a listener of the podcast and you're not watching the live stream, go ahead, subscribe, rate, review wherever you're consuming this. And if you're watching on uh, YouTube, go ahead and give us that thumbs up button while you're here. Helps with the algorithms. Lets everybody know, you know, after the Suns game's over, where do you go? You come over to the Suns Jam session podcast, hang out with John and Matthew as we break down this game uh, and other topics that. Might randomly come up. Who knows? Uh, but on that note, we're going to go ahead. We're going to kick this bad boy off. Matthew, I know you're pounding a nice ice cold IPA today. Uh, is it a Lagunitas? What, what do you got there, bud? Oh, well, Suns are playing great, but we're doing a terrible job at keeping up the the, the beer tradition, right? I only yeah. have water, dude. So sad. <sighs> Hashtag me too. Uh, I have All empty right. water. So like, this is how much water I have. Because <laughs> uh, I'm in a hotel room for those of you who can die. see. I'm, you know, I'm back on the road. I am actually in Folsom, California, and I am yeah. listening every night for that train to hear if it's coming. And I've checked around every bend, and you know, I've yet to find that what? that Folsom. It's a Johnny Cash song, Matthew. I hear the train coming. Oh, it? it's, okay. Yeah, it's the Folsom overrated. Prison Blues. 
No, yeah. see, Shannon thinks the same thing, dude. I love just, Johnny Cash. I only said it because she told me that this last weekend that you guys talked about it, and she doesn't like him or whatever. So yeah, I just said that like, to make you upset. <laughs> she doesn't like Johnny Cash. I don't understand it, dude. I love Johnny Cash, but uh, but Jamsters, you're gonna have to pop him for us. So pop him if you got him, Suns fans. <laughs> let's let's talk about this victory over the Brooklyn Nets. I tell you what, I think that we're all feeling good tonight knowing that the Phoenix Suns TCOB'd. They took care of business against the Brooklyn Nets on national television. But it brings me to my first question. Matthew, I got to ask. Matthew, I got to ask. Did the Phoenix Suns win this game or did the Brooklyn Nets lose it? Oh, they won it. I just think the Chris Paul takeover time went up another quarter. I mean, last game he started in the fourth. Now he started this last game tonight. It was starting the third quarter. He had to turn it on in the third. And as soon as that started to happen and him and book started to heat up in the third, I was like, okay, this is, this is them taking care of business earlier than they have to, but it set the momentum for the rest of the game. Of course you have the nets, you know, turn the ball over committing some terrible fouls against the Suns. But that's something you have to get used to as a an opposing team fan when you're playing against the Suns. Like they're gonna they're gonna make you draw those fouls, right? Booker is doing the same thing that Chris Paul's doing, where he's going against these guys that really haven't played a whole lot in their career and don't really have the experience against a Devin Booker or a Chris Paul. So they're they're making them draw the fouls. And because of that, I don't know if the Nets really lost. I just I just think what what Harden and Kyrie were trying to really do too, and drawing fouls wasn't working. So when that wasn't working, you know, it's like their whole game plan goes out the window, right? Yeah, and again, and I think that you know they could only do so much because the Phoenix Suns are a cohesive unit that plays cerebral basketball, and you saw that in the fourth quarter. I mean, the Suns on one possession, I think they drew, what, like four fouls in one possession, one trip down the floor. So the Nets were essentially in foul trouble with 11 minutes left in the game. And and the Phoenix Suns knew that, one, I think they were going to have the ability to play a little bit more physical against this team. The Brooklyn Nets started three guards, so you knew that. And and on the, op, on the op, uh, opposite side... <laughs> the opposing side, the Phoenix Sun side, they're down guards, right? Like campaigns da- is out. Yeah. Landry Shamit twisted his ankle. He's out. So no matter what happens, the Phoenix Suns are going to be playing with a lineup that's going to be bigger, especially when you see that the Brooklyn Nets are going to start a smaller squad. So they're feeling them out kind of throughout the game. You know, it's like a boxing match, throw a couple jabs, you know, n- n- no big haymakers. And as that fourth quarter started, what the lessons that they learned throughout the game, the fact that their physicality and their ability to get down on the block and, and create space, you know, Devin Booker backing down. Hell, Chris Paul was backing down Kyrie for moments in this game. That's how they started the fourth quarter. Ultimately, they got fouls, as you mentioned, against players who are less experienced, who don't necessarily know how to control their bodies in that fourth quarter uh, and, and be ta- be mindful of the fact that this team's going to try to take advantage. You reach in, we're going to try to get you. Mm-hmm. 
you know, and, and ultimately that's what really I felt set the tone in the fourth quarter. So to answer my own question to you, yeah, the Suns won this game. There ain't no doubt about yeah. it, man. I mean, there's a million little things that happen along the way that we'll talk about uh, on this journey. But I mean, I thought it was just a an exhibition of Phoenix Suns basketball for everyone to see. Although we know that half of the East Coast was probably asleep for it. Yeah, it's super late. But I always feel kind of weird when the Suns go out and try to win games now. This is a weird feeling I have. I'm like, I feel like a lot of these teams, especially the Nets, of course, they have the injury with Durant. But it's like, how much do Kyrie and James Harden really care? It may look like at times, like James Harden and Kyrie did care on the court and they were trying to win. And of course, Blake Griffin, I'm, I think you have a rant coming up today or tonight. We'll talk, we'll talk about him yeah. later. <laughs> but it just, it feels weird that the Suns want to win games still. Is that weird? Cause yeah, that's I just a feel weird like statement. a lot of these teams just don't care. <laughs> I just, I'm, I'm serious. Like, of course they want to win, but I just, it feels weird that the Suns care so much about the season still. I don't know what it is. Yeah. I don't know what it but is don't either stop. because. Because no, 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 no. I don't understand like why you think they wouldn't care. I mean, that's every basketball player's ultimate goal is to win the game that they're playing. No one goes out there. Yeah, I don't, I don't care today. Know. You know, I, think, I don't know. I get that feeling nowadays. I don't know what it is. Well, well, maybe what it is, is because of the way that the Phoenix Suns play. They take you. You can see it in the eyes of the opposition by the two minute mark of every game, whether it's close or not, they're going to come. They're going to, you know put on a run in that last five minutes to where they snatch the hope and the care, if you will, from the opposition. They have a look in their eyes by the end of it. It's just like, dude, there's nothing we can do. This team's too good. And that's what mm -hmm. the Phoenix Sun and, and, and the Phoenix, you know, uh, uh, Devin Booker was just saying in the post game with TNT, you know, he was talking about the details. He's like, it's all about the details. And I wouldn't say the details necessarily are defined as care, uh, but I think that the the way that they ex they care about the execution and that's what they're working on. They're using all these games for that uh, or a, as a precursor to the playoffs where you have to have perfect execution. So why not mm -hmm. utilize these games as a practice for it? Uh, yeah. I, Fabio just said in the chat, I don't think Harding cares. <laughs> that's a true he, he statement. Might. He might. <laughs> no, and yeah, right. You can't sit there and tell me nobody cares and then tell me that James Harden might. If anyone is going to solidify your point, it's that dude. No, I know. I just said at times he looked like he did. He looked like, hey, I missed a layup and went to the free throw line. I should have made that layup. Um, really quick, too, what you are just talking about, how the precursor to the playoffs, what they're practicing, what they're trying to get in rhythm for. J.J. Redick podcast, Raymond said that same thing where the – Chris Paul and the Rockets at that time were actually trying to practice a switching defense, something that they had to do against the Warriors in order to beat them. So they would practice it all year long to prepare for it, right? Mm -hmm. So tonight, that's what I'm thinking about. You know, they're just running through motions and stuff, making sure they're prepared for the teams that they might have to face in the playoffs in a game like this. And this could be a team, of course, plus Kevin Durant that they might play in the finals. So it, that's what's on Chris Paul's mind at all times. And I don't think that's like a James Harden, Kyrie Irving thing. I don't think they think about that stuff. I think it's just like, eh, we'll try to win the game at hand. If not, it gets out of hand. We'll just go sit on the bench and look, you know, depressed. <laughs> look, look sad. And again, I think what is this, the fifth loss in a row for the Brooklyn Nets. So they're definitely a team that's in the funk. You know, conversely, mm -hmm. I mean, the Phoenix Suns have won 11 straight. Uh, shout out to Cousin Will, who donated $9.99, and that's $9.99, in the Super Chat. If you're watching along live on YouTube and you want to donate the Super Chat, we truly appreciate it. We're going to get Matthew some courtside seats one of these days. Uh, but he says, wait, is this win 41? 
Phoenix can lose out and their record will still be 500 and it's not even the all-star break yet. That's how good they're rolling. Fucking A. I'm with you, cousin. Well, yeah, this is the world that we live in now and we have to appreciate it. We have to, you know, obviously there's pros and cons that happen game to game. And that's the fun thing about doing a podcast after every game is, you know, we're going to talk about those good things. We're going to talk about the things that frustrate us, uh, but it's all just kind of a, a, a little chapter in the journey if you will that's ultimately going to lead us to the playoffs and hopefully to a championship this year uh i do i do think that you hit on a couple you know valid points though when you talk about the practicing and the execution right i mean that is what these games are and the the phoenix suns have done such a good job you know this is a litmus test even though this team the brooklyn nets was without in my opinion the best scorer in the league right Do, do you think kevin durant is the best scorer in the league and if not who is no, I think he's him and Giannis and LeBron are right there, one, two, and three, best player in the NBA. Yeah, but from a scoring standpoint, I think yes, Kevin yes. Durant is more lethal, <laughs> in my opinion. Yes, because yeah. because like Giannis is the best scorer around the rim, right? And LeBron, mm-hmm. I fuck LeBron and uh, Kevin Durant, <laughs> Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant's the best three le- three level scorer in my opinion. So yeah, obviously absolutely. he him being out is something that is uh you know. I wouldn't say tarnishes this win in any way, shape, or form, but you know you're not getting the true punch from the Nets, if you will. But that being said, like if we were to face this team and it was in the NBA Finals, would they even be healthy? I mean, it's a team that has constantly had a tr- has trouble putting those three guys, those three guys being obviously KD, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden on the court at the same time. So it's like it's but but yeah. still going into this, you know, it's a litmus test. Uh, and you know, for the first time in gosh, two, three weeks, heck, let's just say eight games. We get to finally play this drop again. Watch. The news came out before the game, pretty close to the game that Jay Crowder and Deandre Ayton were going to play in this game because coming into this game, knowing that DA wasn't going to be available, knowing that. Jay Crowder wasn't going to be available. We just lost Landry Shamit. We had to sign Justin Jackson to another 10-day contract. You figure, okay, this is probably where the streak ends. You know, I get that the Nets have been stumbling right now, but James Harden and Kyrie Irving are going to play. This might be where it ends. But then we get DA back, and he he gets to start with Jay Crowder. Our starting five is whole again. I think this is what, like the 27th time this season? that, Or maybe it's the 24th. 24th time that DA... Booker and Chris Paul have all played in the same game and we're still entering the game night. We were 40 and nine, but watching <laughs> DA play, tell me what you saw from the big guy uh, in his first game back. Well, I mean, if his house, I mean, if he had to choose a house in uh, Harry Potter, puppy Hufflepuff, right? He had the huffs and the puffs. Yes, he did. The, you know, extra hard tonight. Like, ex- like I want to be noticed, you know, if you're sitting in the top deck, you can see my shoulders going back and forth on that free throw line because he was tired, and that's his thing, right? He shows how tired he is. And, of course, I didn't expect too much. The only thing is, like, at the end of the game, when there's five minutes left and DA did turn it on, I guess he had, like, two alley-oops, and it seemed like to be out of reach at, by that time. It still wasn't completely the Suns game yet. So I kind of wanted to see if they would go to Bismack or go back to McGee because McGee was well, – he had some really solid plays tonight, man. Like dealt really intense plays. Dealt like kind of flipped the momentum for the Suns. So I kind of wanted to see that. It's not like I hated Aiden tonight. I just think it just wasn't there at all. He seemed really lackadaisical again. He just seemed like he wasn't really up to hustle back down the court like a Bismack Biombo. We were so used to seeing him like, oh, I'm here. I'm ready to go. I'm going to be in every spot for you, Chris Paul. I'm going to set the screen. I'm going to I'm gonna 
hit, I'm going to go straight to the rim. I'm going to be ready for you. But that wasn't really Aiden tonight. So it kind of stinks to go back to an Aiden that's like this, but you kind of expected it, right? Because he's going to be tired. It's going to take him a little bit of time. He gives himself some more time too. You know that's Aiden, right? Aiden's mm-hmm. going to give him the time to get his energy and his footing back. So I don't expect a whole lot from him right now. So decent game. I mean, towards the end with the alley-oops, that's all that there really was from him. I thought early in the game, he's two for two. He started off, looked pretty good in the pick and roll, but there mm-hmm. wasn't too much. And it, I kind of missed the Bismack stuff and the and the McGee coming off the bench a little bit. But you know we have to get back to the Aiden stuff. So let's start the journey now. Hopefully he doesn't get hurt again. Yeah, again, it's just nice to see him out there, you know, because there, there's been so much back and forth. And I think I spent just a little too much time on Twitter today, you know, listening to kind of and, and interacting with people talking about how, you know what, because Bismack Biombo has been playing the way that he has, because JaVale's played the way that he has, that DA doesn't deserve a max. And, you know, it's like, well, just look at our record. You know, the fact that DA's not playing and we're still getting production from the center position, uh, well, it's clearly, clearly he's not worth a max. And I'm like, the reason DA is going to be worth a max, and, and again, like, we don't know the market this season will dictate his value, right? He's a restricted free agent. So if he's worth a max, an opposing team can offer him a max, and then we can come over with a better max because he's one of our players, right? The the, the market this offseason will dictate what he's worth. But some people are getting ahead of themselves saying, well, we got to trade him now so we can maximize our his value, what have you. It's like the reason DA is worth or in the conversation for a max is because of the productivity he's going to provide in the playoffs. Because Bismack Biombo will get shredded in the playoffs. The opposition will sit there in a seven-game series, analyze Bismack Biombo's strengths and weaknesses, and attack those. Whereas DA has far less strengths and weaknesses. He's a great shot deterrent. He's a great shot blocker. Uh, he's great laterally on defense. He can play small guys. He can play big guys. And on uh, and on offense, he's you know shown us in the past that he has the ability to score when he needs to. So tonight, to your point, Matthew, I, I agree 100% with what we saw from DA. He was gassed. Uh, he he was, he was you know, I mean, the guy hasn't played in a while. It's going to take him a few games to get back in shape. And if he can take these games to get back in shape and the Suns are still going out there and beating the Nets by 10, like how it's it's Hannah Montana, man. It's the best of both worlds, right? We're getting everything <laughs> yeah. that we want, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, I, there was a lot of comparison, of course, with him and Andre Drummond. And the way Drummond, of course, I mean, he's still a bit younger, but he just came off of a big contract, but now he's not making anything. He probably could have got a max. So I'm not saying he's you know, Andre Drummond because DA will get up for the big game. So I'm not worried at all for any at all. Like at all, like going to the playoffs that Dion. Oh yeah, up. he'll have he'll have to go another couple notches if he's gonna have to face. Of course, like even the even the Sixers right now who are looking good without Ben Simmons, you might have to go up against Embiid now in the finals if that's gonna be a thing. So it has to be another couple notches. That's why I'm saying he needs to stay healthy. That way he has like the next couple three months, couple months to three months to really get in shape and get in tune with this offense and then just show up at the end of the games like he did tonight. No, exactly. And and again, you don't want to make the same mistake that Detroit made all those years ago when they gave Andre Drummond that max contract. They're like, well, we, we got to do what we can to keep this guy here. Yeah. And this the, the Suns are in the driver's seat because he's a restricted free agent. No matter what, Devin, or Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton will be playing for the Suns next year because he's a restricted yeah. free agent. OK, he's you know, he's not going to have the ability to just leave. The Suns are going to have an, an opportunity to offer whatever the market value is. If another team offers him you know, two years and $30 million, the Suns can come right over top and match that and give him a little bit more. So again, I think that 
everybody who's out there. And I, I get it. Like the trade deadline is, is 10 days away now, nine, I think. So everyone's hopping into the ESPN trade machine and they're starting to put together their little trades and be like, well, look at, you know, we can, we can maximize DA's value. We get this back, that back, and this back uh, because we have Bismack and JaVale. It's like, we've seen great things from JaVale McGee and Bismack Biombo. I don't want to discount anything that they've done to this point of the season and what they've done to help the Suns during this 11 game win streak, seven of those games with the, without Deandre Ayton, but you have to look at the playoffs, man. And that's when he's going to be valuable. So again, from, from an Ayton standpoint tonight, you know, you look at his final stat line. Uh, he ends with how many points did he have? Matthew 12 points. Is that correct? He had 12 points. So 12 points, six boards, played 28 minutes in his first game back, went five for seven from the field, not overly involved in the offense, uh, did have four turnovers, uh, also had a steal. So you're going to, over the next few games, just kind of bring him back, get him reacclimated to the game, to the speed of the game. And we're going to be in no time in three or four games. We're going to be talking about DA who's going to go out there and drop 26 and have, you know, 17 rebounds one night. And they'd be like, Oh, yep. Yeah. It's like, we love Bismack, but he ain't putting up 26 and 17. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We'll be having this conversation all year. Of course. That's the fun part about it. That's the one. Uh, another. <laughs> Yeah, it's what it, it's what it is, man. It's what it is. Uh, we got to talk about your boy. I clicked the wrong button. <laughs> oh, there. Lights, Cameron, action. Cam Johnson tonight, man. You know, you look at his final stat line, and he ends the night with a total of sixteen points, five for ten from the field, four from eight from deep. Uh, he had three rebounds. Tell me what you saw from Cam Johnson tonight, man. Well, I mean, he started out 0 for 3 from 3. Wide open shots. Like In the NBA, we're still talking about Cameron Johnson, who's mentioned on many podcasts, many Ringer NBA podcasts, almost weekly just as a, one of the top Suns players. And a lady at my work who's a big Suns fan, she doesn't she's, – she's a – She's a she's a Suns fan, but her favorite player is Cameron Johnson. Like wow. everyone's favorite player right now is Kevin Cameron Johnson. So after yeah, missing the first three threes, he just he was like, "What?" He's all, "Fuck this! What am I doing, dude?" What he hit three or four in a row. Yeah, I was, it was just insane. like, oh. it was insane. The only thing tonight where he was like, he went on the floor a few times. He looked like he had a few like concerns with his knee. I'm like, please, dude. Please, you we cannot lose Cameron Johnson at all. Um, but he him and Mikhail Bridges kept cutting all game. They were doing a lot of cutting. He was always, of Bingo. course, in his spot wide open. And uh he kind of helped him and Mikhail helped out Alfred Payton, who, you know, had a decent night, had a, a few dumb headed plays, but him and Mikhail helped him out. But when he was hitting those threes, dude, I was just like, those threes when he was covered. He was just so mad about missing the last ones. And I think you said, I think you tweeted out too, how he hit the free throws and he got back Bingo. in rhythm from that too. So I stole that from you. <laughs> and it's true. And that helped him out. That's an Eddie Johnson thing. And it's something that always works, right? Yeah, no, that's the, that's the old Eddie Johnson thing. You know, if, uh, if you're having a hard time shooting the ball, get to the free throw line, see that ball go through the basket and good things will happen. And that's exactly what happened tonight. Missed those first three threes, as you mentioned, hit two free throws and then boom, he was in fuego and he had no problem pulling the trigger tonight. And again, with a bigger lineup that the Phoenix Suns have, I feel like it was advantageous for them to not only take advantage of the nets down on the block, but whenever any double teams are thrown their way and you saw a lot with Devin Booker, Devin Booker back down, back down, here comes the double, 
Cam Johnson three. And it was just like, it was artful. Yeah. You know, and, and to your point, you know, Parker Hines, one of our uh, jamsters watching along live says in the chat, he says, Cam J really tried to play defense on Kyrie. And so, yeah, Kyrie's a low center gravity kind of player, right? So Cam Johnson has to get low. And yeah, he fell over a few times. You're right. I definitely saw Cam on the floor a lot tonight, but I also have to applaud his efforts uh, trying to take on one of, if probably the best ball handler in the league, you know, Kyrie Irving is ridiculous with that ball and seeing him toy with the opposition with, you know, and, and that's Cam Johnson and Mikhail Bridges. I mean, and for them to still kind of shut him down, relatively speaking, and Kyrie Irving ended as the top point scorer for the Nets, 26 points on 10 of 20 shooting in 36 minutes played. You know, that's that's one of those things where you, you tip your cap to Cam Johnson and Mikhail Bridges, both for the way that they played defense on him, because that ain't easy. No, it's not. And without James Harden on the floor, um, Kyrie is much more scarier. Uh, he he seems to be just like his own, the, the old school player that he, he was. I mean, you saw flashes of it when he first came to the Nets. Uh, when he was with Boston, you saw flashes of it where he's just unstoppable. And then a lot of what John Morant looks like sometimes is what Kyrie does like in the paint where he'll get in there. And he'll basically be defended by four guys and he'll just yeah. make a miss and hit somebody wide open from the corner three. That's like that's Kyrie. And the way I think this team needs to move on is, of course, I think the James Harden trade, I think, needs to happen for sure. I think the, the whole three headed monster thing is just that's that's old, right? You don't need to have all three of those superstars to win a championship. You need Kevin Durant. And if you have Kyrie, that would definitely, definitely. But then also Kyrie can't play because of the the COVID stuff sometimes. So that's kind of weird. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know what to do, but I think James Harden might be the first one to go. And if they just had Kyrie, if he's going to play full time, him and Kevin Durant, that's, that's even deadlier than all three of them. I think just because those are two, like the top 15, top 10 players oh, in the yeah. NBA right now when they're playing together. Well, and again, you know, if you do it right, you do it kind of like the Phoenix Suns have, right? You know, you got Devin Booker and you've got Chris Paul making the majority of the money. And then you take, whatever that extra that heart of money would be for the nets and you distribute it amongst quality players that complement them you know in in their case because you got Kevin Durant and because you have Kyrie Irving you know in a perfect world in a non-covid world where he's playing all the games you know you're mm-hmm. going to put slashing forwards you know kind of like the Phoenix Suns have as Mike says in the chat he says nice to have two young slashing forwards you know you put 3 and D guys around that core utilizing the money and that's why even the Lakers, the Lakers are a great example. They're a team that has three superstars, you know, relative to pay, not necessarily relative to how to their play, but to how they're paid. And therefore, you can't fill out the rest of the roster with with effective players because you're spending so much. You're so top heavy that you fall over. And then if you have a guy who's injured, you know, LeBron's currently out. AD's been out. You know, Russell Westbrook, even though he's playing, he looks like he's out because he sucks in the fourth quarter. You know, so all of these things combined, you're not going to have a winning team. The Phoenix Suns have built a team that not only is uh, productive, but it's also sustainable given the way that we've done these contracts. We don't have any murderous contracts. Even the Chris Paul contract isn't murderous because of how it's front heavy for this year, you know, and next year. But the following couple of years, it, you know, it's not fully guaranteed and then it's not guaranteed at all. It's clever ways that the Phoenix Suns have constructed this lineup uh, to be successful, not only today, but for years to come. So that's what, Mm -hmm. you know, again, the, the Nets, they have the foundation there, you know, Patty Mills, Patty Mills is a killer, right? And that's a great deal. But I mean, he's what the fourth, fifth, the highest paid guy. And then it just falls off a cliff. I mean, Bembry, 
is out there just fouling everybody in the fourth quarter. That's why you lose. Yeah, but also if you keep it close, like the Suns usually do now, and you have KD or Kyrie to end the game, that's very scary. As long as they're playing well together, I would not want to face that at all, right? Those well, yeah. Two. I don't care who we face right now because we're that good of a team. Either, yeah. But I'm with I you. I get what you're saying. Like, you know, it's not a preferable matchup because of the talent. But mm-hmm. again, the depth and all that's happening for the Phoenix Suns, while other teams are obviously experiencing depth issues this season, the Phoenix Suns have have faced depth issues, but they've addressed them and they've been productive and they've been winning with their depth, depth issues. So all that does is create when we have to face any type of team, we can beat you in 10, 20 different ways and we'll have to adjust accordingly. So, I mean, it's just, again, this run that the Phoenix Suns are on is unbelievable. You know, we talked a little bit about Cam Johnson, uh, but one guy who was just absolutely fantastic tonight, his twin. The Warden. 40 minutes for the Warden tonight. He went 10 for 14 from the field for 27 points. So, you know me, I love efficient scoring. 27 points, 14 field goal attempts. That's how you do it there, Sir Mikhail. Uh, he did it by going one to three from uh, from deep, but six for seven from the free throw line. He had eight total rebounds, two steals, uh, and was cutting, as you mentioned, you know, both he and Cam Johnson, but especially Mikhail tonight, were cutting like I haven't seen Mikhail do in quite some time, man. Maybe last game. The Spurs, he was cutting a lot. Yeah, he just kept moving. That was that's the Mikel we love is just moving off the ball all the time, not standing in the corner. He doesn't need to stand in the corner. He's such a threat when he's moving in the lane. Like it, the, the defense can't stop him, obviously. Um, but the offensive rebounds too, the putbacks he had, he was in the lane a lot tonight. Um, he was crashing the boards, like you said, the eight boards. So that's it, very rare for him, right, to be underneath the rim. But he was doing it, and it wasn't even. It wasn't even like, hey, we're without DeAndre Ayton tonight, you know, or we're out without a big. We had three yeah. of our bigs tonight, and even Sticks, who's never going to play again for the Suns, probably it seems like. But it's just like you're not gonna ha- you're not gonna ask him like, hey, we need help. He just did it. Him and him and Cam just kept running from different ends, trying to find a way to get the ball inside, and that's when he's just efficient. I think it just gets him going if he stands there in the corner. I think he just he not that he thinks too much, but maybe it's just a bore. He gets bored. He might just get too bored to where he's just like, you know, this offense is doing okay. I don't have to do too much, but it's more fun when he's involved because he can get involved with this with this offense and make big plays like that Chris Paul assist towards the end of the game Man, for the end that, one. That ooh. that was insane. That, was, that fire. was one of the best plays of the year, I think. That was just that pass was like a Cameron Johnson pass. I, Chris Paul must be learning from Cameron Johnson how to sneak it by the defender so easily. It, and honestly, I I want to see Mikhail do more of this, and it maybe it comes with DeAndre Aiden coming back because it's not like when these guys are out, I don't want to be like, okay, now we need you to step. I just want him to always be there and be an option offensively, and he's been like this for the past three or four games, right? Yeah, we're starting to see Mikhail readopt his affinity for cutting. Right. And, and you're absolutely right. When he's standing in the corner a lot, it's a less engaged version of Mikhail. And, you know, the, the growth here for me is generally when you see Mikhail Bridges and he's standing in the corner a lot on offense, it's when he's going against elite competition on the defensive end. So that's how he gets his rest in, right? He's like, I'm just going to go stand in the corner for a few possessions. What's so impressive about tonight is he played 40 minutes. 
He's guarding James or uh, uh, yeah, James Harden and Kyrie Irving off and on throughout the night, and he still had the energy on the offensive end to continue to cut and to to continue to be a part of the offensive game plan, and that was fucking impressive. That's what I like to see from Mikhail. That's why you know I'll, I'll one thing I've been doing. You know, again, I'm on the road again. You know, probably for the entire month of February, I'll be up in California for the most part. Uh, and one thing I, I think I told you this, and I might've mentioned on the last podcast is I'm rewatching the last dance again. I love the last dance, dude. That doc is like, there, there's only one other doc. That's that 10 part miniseries that I watch a ton of. And I watch it every year. And that's band of brothers. Uh, the HBO's band of brothers. I think that's yeah. the greatest yeah, documentary yeah. ever made. Um, uh, but last dance is up there. Cause I loved Jordan and the bulls. That was like my childhood right there. Like I, I, I relive a lot of those games. Uh, but watching that. Again, watching Scottie Pippen play again, I'm telling you, man, like our buddy Flex from Jersey said it and we've echoed mm-hmm. it ever since, you know, for the past three seasons now. He really looks like a young Scottie Pippen. He's got the athleticism. He's got the size. The only thing that Scottie Pippen did better than McHale is his ball handling because Scottie Pippen was a guard when he played in uh, at, at what Southeast Arkansas or whatever it was. And then he grew one summer, his sophomore year, and all of a sudden he was six, seven. So he went from six, one to six, seven. So he maintained the ball handling skills. Mikhail isn't necessarily as good as Scotty when it comes to ball handling, but when it comes to defensive intensity, when it comes to cutting, when it comes to just, you know, now seeing him add in, you know, 26 points, it's, uh, it's fantastic to see. It's, it's the next level of his growth. And that's the one thing that nobody talks about, man. I mean, everybody from a national level, yeah, you know, the Suns are good, but are the best team. I mean, I was listening to uh, Weekend <laughs> Weekends with Waz. Have you listened to that pod on The Ringer yet? No. Oh, no. I love Waz, though. He's awesome. I love yeah, him. so he's got a new show on The Ringer, the NBA Ringer show. They've added wing, Weekends with Waz. So if you go back and you listen to this past one that came out Monday morning, he was asking that question. Are the Phoenix Suns the best team in the NBA? And it's like every statistic, every arrow points to the Phoenix Suns being the best team in the NBA, but like nobody really kind of wants to acknowledge it, you know, because it's not overly sexy. It's just kind of a team that's completely constructed that just keeps coming at you offensively and defensively. You know, only them and the Warriors are in the top five in both offensive and defensive rating. And you have players who just continually come at you and beat you into submission. So, you know, Mikhail Bridges is another one of those players. Like you said, you know, Cam Johnson, you, you have a coworker who loves Cam Johnson. A lot of, there's a lot of love for Cam Johnson and Mikhail Bridges nationally, but there's not, there still is not a lot of love for the Suns. And you know what? I'm okay with it. Whatever, dude, we're 41 and nine. Fuck them. It, it's a strange thing, but all, I think it just has to do with them not completing the series. Last year in the finals, you know, Kendrick Perkins, everyone, where they're up 2-0, like Suns are going to win. Obviously they're up 2-0. They're going to win point. the series, right? And just because they they lost in six games, you know, it's that's the reason why they don't think they can do it again. The Chris Paul thing's never done it, so that's probably what it is. And just really quick to go back to McHale, mm-hmm. um, him playing offensively, like having the actual like stamina to keep up offensively and do what he does, like he did tonight, to where he's so efficient. I think maybe having DeAndre in back too defensively, that might relieve a lot of stress off of his mind. Save him because you know, like we even talked about when we played Luka Doncic, those two together are so good against him where I just think that Mikhail really relies on him to help. And I think it just relieves a lot of stress from him. And I think he can focus more on the offensive end. 
No, it's a good point. It's like I don't have to spend as much intensity on this player because I know I've got DeAndre Ayton behind me. So if I do make any, I I can gamble a little bit. And if I miss on that gamble, DeAndre Ayton can clean up my mess behind me, which is, you know, again, that's a a fantastic defensive strategy. If you have the likes of DeAndre Ayton, again, another reason why he's worth as much as he is. Uh, Parker Hines says in the chat, we're very Spurs-esque. Locked on Phoenix Suns podcast was saying, tweeted this the other day. You know, and they're like, you know, what, would you take offense to anyone saying that we are Spurs-esque, Matthew? No, I've I've said a few podcasts ago where I think Devin Booker is the ultimate Spurs player. Like, he's the ultimate pop player. He is. He's just not very – he's not a sexy player to watch as much, but he gets the job done. That's just the way, you know, those players were. Yeah, and I think that, you know, we've – I said this a bunch last year, actually. I remember when we were talking about the Phoenix Suns and, you know, we were surprised with their rise last season and how fast it occurred once CP3 entered the the equation that the Phoenix Suns do have a mid-2000s Spurs kind of way about them. And that's probably why, again, they don't get a lot of national TV love is because it's a very methodical way of basketball. It's very deliberate. It's very cerebral and it's very unsexy. You know, yeah, you're going to get the alley-oops. Yeah. You're going to see Devin Booker, you know, shake somebody into the three, but for the most part, it's just consistent all year, all, uh, all game long. And they grind you down on both offense and defense. Right. And that's ultimately what the Phoenix Suns do, not only now, but throughout the entire season. That's why they have the best record in the NBA. So if anybody says that we are a team that looks like the the uh, the Spurs, I, I take that as a compliment. You know, they won really championships. Do. I don't yeah. Care. Let's, yeah. Let's get one of those championships. You know, <laughs> it's like, geez, that would be fantastic. <laughs> so uh, let's see who's up next. Oh, well, I mean, we've, we've talked about a lot of guys, but we got to talk about the big dick guy. Big Dick Booker. Killer night for Devin Booker tonight, man. Killer night. 35 total points, 13 to 23 shooting. He went three for eight from deep, six for seven from the free throw line. Uh, He added six total rebounds, a couple assists, you know, and he did his thing as the most, the majority of the Suns did in the first quarter. He went six or seven, had 14 points. Hell, the Suns shot 71.4% in that first quarter. You know, Devin Booker, uh, th- I think the best part about Devin Booker was at the very end, you know, he was doing the post game show with uh, TNT. And, you know, Westville says in the chat, he said, Good on Book for calling out Wade. You know, D Wade, you know, Booker, they're sitting there interviewing him. You know, and he's he pretty much says, yes, yeah, somebody in the studio, a little birdie told me that somebody in the studio said I wasn't going to score 30 tonight. And D-Wade's like, oh, did I say that? You know, it's just like, <laughs> he and, doesn't and, remember. yeah, you know, <laughs> and, you know, uh, and he's like, well, you know, I'm glad I can help with the motivation. It's like, see, yeah. even Devin Booker, it's like he's, he's looking for those little opportunities for plight, even though we might say, yeah, he doesn't care about being a non all-star starter. And then he goes ape shit for the next two weeks after that happens. Yeah. He doesn't care that you say you're not going to score 30 tonight on national television. He goes for 35 tonight. Yeah. Real G's move silently. They really do. And (laughs) unless he, he'll call out, he'll call some people, but it's all in fun. It's never anything where it's like a Dwight Howard situation or Embiid back in the day where Embiid used to get so upset over these guys talking shit. And so he's like, all right, I'm actually going to go to work and do something about it. That's just Devin Booker all the time. Every game, man. Uh, Tonight was of course, amazing game. First quarter, third quarter book, closing it out. And something that was kind of cool, I don't know, I just kind of noticed where he was kind of looking for fouls 
in the second because the second quarter offense for the Suns was just falling off. There was nothing there at all. Mm-hmm, true. But what Book did, he he kind of looked like he was trying to draw fouls, get in the officials' ears, and then the Suns started getting a lot of ticky tack calls going their way. I know we could talk about, of course, probably the Nets got some too, but the Suns did in the second. I think that kind of helped him kind of stay there with the Nets. But dude, those last two threes, is he gonna end every game with two threes in a row? And especially when I know ahead of time, because I always am delayed over here. So I look at the score. 109 still for the Suns on my TV. It says 112 on the on my computer. I'm like, oh, someone hit a three and book has the ball. I'm like, oh, no way. He's going to make two in a row. Especially <laughs> the way he's being covered right now. So I just got to drop this. I said, God damn. God damn. That's so them, just, that's them that, Booker, man. <laughs> yeah, it was. He's to that level right now where. Just have no words. He's on that Cameron Johnson level finally, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, the, the Chris Paul's learned to pass from Cameron Johnson. Dem Booker's learned how to score from Cameron Johnson. Yeah. I mean, everybody's finally learning from the wise one, Cameron, the Batman Johnson. But you're right. I mean, seeing him make two threes in, in two consecutive games in the in the last two minutes, I mean, it's just like this guy's going to a whole nother level. And it, he's truly becoming unguardable. And he, again, the, the one of the best things about him p- spending this time with Chris Paul is how cerebral he is becoming as a player. Cause you're right. When the Phoenix in the past, when he wasn't getting calls and things like that, he would go into piss ant mode. He still does it from time to time. We know it. He, he gets all frustrated and such, but at the same time, you know, now he knows how to use that in an effort to try to sway some of the calls his way. Cause there was some bad refereeing in this game, but, and I tell you what, if you ask a Nets fan about it, you know, I'm sure – and the reason I'll say there's bad refereeing is because you have James Harden, you have Blake Griffin, which are two of the biggest floppers in the NBA. But at the end of the night, the Suns had a total of 19 fouls. The Brooklyn Nets had a total of 27 fouls. The Suns shot 10 more free throw attempts than the Brooklyn Nets. So I guarantee you, go go ask all your Nets fans, and I don't know anybody who's a Nets fan. Anybody who's from New York is a Knicks fan. They're like, fuck the Nets. They belong in New Jersey. I got a buddy, Alfred, lives out there. And yeah, he's like, dude, the Nets don't even exist to us. Uh, but, I'll, you know, if there is a Net fan, they're probably complaining about the foul calls. Uh, but again, that's the cerebral part of the game. You know, I, I was going to talk a little bit about my frustration with some of the re- refereeing because in the first half it was frustrating. But at the same time, like I, whenever that happens, I start to think of Matthew Lissy. Matthew's like, hey, listen, if, if they're drawing fouls, that's part of the game. You know, and that that's a skill in this game. Oh, I appreciate that. You think about me. Yeah, all the time, man. <laughs> all the time. Um, couple Nets notes. First thing I wanted to throw out there. I miss you, Javon Carter. I miss you and your two colored shoes. It was fun seeing CP3, you know, jab and talking some crap. You know, yeah, Devin yeah. Booker. There was one there play was. where Devin Booker went down the lane. He traveled. And then uh, uh, CD4 is <laughs> up there doing the travel thing. You know, and you yeah. look at Devin Booker. He looks over the bench, you know, because he's probably kind of pissed in the moment. He sees it's Carter and he starts laughing a little bit like, <laughs> oh, man, I miss Javon Carter. I do, too. And I, I think it was um, it might have been JaVale or Jay on the sideline when uh, Carter came into the game and they were yelling his name really loud. You can hear it because it was super quiet. The game was over. You know, it was like the last minute and you could just hear him yelling his name when he had the ball and stuff, like giving him shit. So I do miss him, especially in a time like this, right? He would, I don't know. I, I don't know if he would really be, yeah, would, I don't know. He would he right now, man. We, we don't have campaign and we don't have uh, Landry <laughs> Shamit right now. We I don't know. Just the way it ended. Yeah, no, just the way it ended. It wasn't, he didn't really finish the way I thought he would. 
No, well, he had a rough season last year, you know. What he I mean? did, but, but Javon Carter will always be in our hearts, and who knows? Maybe we could trade uh, Landry Shamit to the Nets and get Javon Carter back. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Just had to throw Shamit out there. Huh? Uh, why not? Why not? Um, James Harden. Um, I have in my notes the same thing I've had in my yeah. notes every time I watch him. <laughs> unbelievably frustrating. Uh, every time he loses the ball, it's clearly a foul on the, the Suns because, I mean, God, he could never lose the ball. But I do give him credit, man. He has probably the most elite first step in the NBA, if not top five, because Kyrie's right up there too, right? Yeah, yeah, no, it's good. Just nothing was there to finish. And the rest weren't calling anything until maybe late in the game they gave Harden a few of them. But they were letting them go up there and letting the Suns play some defense on them in the paint, and nothing was ever called. I don't think. I mean, there was a few of them. Was like, oh, really? But I think they had to throw a few of them in there just to kind of make Harden so he doesn't get a technical or something. I don't know because Harden was a little heated tonight, especially with his little running with Jay Crowder. Where Jay Crowder got a technical because he bumped him, and yeah, then, God and forbid. And then Harden said something to him, but then Jay got the technical, which is kind of cool. Because, you know, in these kind of games, even in the playoffs, and you know Jay's going to go after these superstar guys. And oh, that's always time. fun to watch. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's just him kind of exerting who he is and his physicality, whether it be, you know, actual physicality. And, and his, again, cerebral basketball. You know, that's the mm-hmm. mental game. He's kind of playing on James a little bit. But, uh, you know, I think one thing I definitely want to talk about. Twitter takes. So we said it on our on our Twitter feed at Suns Jam. Give us a follow if you're not. If you're here watching along live, please hit that thumbs up button down below. Helps with the algorithms and such. Uh, but one of the things that you know I tweeted out from our Suns Jam account was if you want a Blake Griffin rant, I've got one for you. <laughs> oh, uh, hold on. let me get comfortable. Yeah, get comfortable. Oh yeah, my new shirt. My new shirt, by the way. Oh, let's see <clears> it. What, what do you got there? Let's see it. Old Devin. Devin Booker heating oh, up. Oh, heating up. So where'd you get yeah. that? Uh, just sports. Oh, fantastic. So Jamsters, yeah. if you're listening or watching along live and you go to Jam uh, or to Just Sports, you can actually, if you utilize uh, our code, if you go to shop Just Sports online, put in Suns Jam, you'll get 15% off your purchase. So this next segment, this, this Twitter take, this rant about Blake Griffin is brought to you by Just Sports. They'll probably drop <laughs> us as a sponsor after this. Uh, but I hate Blake Griffin. Sports hate, okay? Nothing personal, um, but there's a lot of reasons I'm probably not a huge fan of Blake Griffin. One, my old general manager is a University of Oklahoma alum, and I worked at my last job for 14 years. So I've known him throughout the entire Blake Griffin experience, and man, he loves Blake Griffin. He's infallible simply because he went to Oklahoma. It's like Blake Griffin and Trey Young and like Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray are like gods to my old GM. And I used to have these conversations with him. I'm like, dude, Blake Griffin is a flopper. He's overrated and he's, he's dangerous, you know? And he'd be like, well, you know, oh, no, no, he, he's none of those things. I'm like, well, I'm like, listen, you're clearly looking at this through a skewed. I like how you're just getting rid of Matthew just got rid of himself there. Uh, he's looking at this through a skewed point of view, right? Because he was an Oklahoma alum in truth, Blake Griffin one, he's a top five flopper probably in the NBA, right? He, 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 every time you come near this guy and you touch him, it's, he screams, he yells. So that's just annoying to watch. Right. But again, if it's part of the game, it's part of the game, but he does have a top 10 punchable face as our buddy Dan Duarte says from fanning the flames podcast, you know, who he has got the whole 
fuck that guy segment on the Fanny of the Flames podcast. That's how I feel <laughs> when I when I watch Blake Griffin. You know, he's got one of those faces where it's just like there's something about it, man. It's a little puffier now that he's older, and it's just like, man, you love to throw a couple blows a little at puffier. Him. It's it is, a little you know? puffier. Yeah, no, of yeah. course it is, man. I mean, when you eat that bread, drink that wine, it goes straight to your face, and unless he's had some plastic surgery. I mean, he was with the Kardashians before, but now I don't. I don't think it's plastic surgery. It has to be just the wine and the bread. Um, probably he's Catholic now. He probably goes to get communion. Um, so That's goes calories, man. Cheeks. Yeah, those, yeah. So those, those I think I, those Jesus are calories. I miss half your rant, though. I apologize. It's okay. It's okay. I'm still going. I'm just. I'm just warming up. Fabio yeah. says reasons to hate Blake Griffin. Dunking over a car shouldn't be a 50. JaVale got robbed on that dunk contest. Agreed. He dumped over a Kia. And the only reason they gave him a 50 so they could use it in the highlights for Kia's cars. It wasn't yep. – he, he didn't, he didn't yeah. deserve that. My friend you know, did but, the next day at work too. He jumped over a yeah. car. Yeah, and so. you know what? So he that's a 50. Anytime somebody does that, just tell him it's a 50. But again, he plays dangerously now. You know, he no longer has the athleticism that used to make him fun to watch when he was a member of the Clippers, right? He was explosive. You know, him and Chris Paul and DeAndre Jordan, the way that they played, it was fun and highly consumable basketball. But as he's grown both in age and out, he's he plays a lot more dangerously. You know, when he goes up for rebounds, it's not with the intent to grab the rebound. It's to slap the wrist of the opposition. You know, he had a foul room. Mikhail's going up to grab the rebound. He knows he can't get it because his fat ass can't get off the ground like it used to. So he just swipes at Mikhail's wrist. You know, he could, you do that wrong, you're breaking a guy's thumb. You know, like yeah. that's reckless. That's reckless. It is. I think he's always been reckless, though. That's why he's always been hurt, right? I mean, he kind of have was like the Amari Stoudemire after Amari, where he would just, you know, up and down the court, lob city, all of that, just yeah. really reckless, like a Derrick Rose in a way, too, where he just throw his body. He would end up in the second row behind the basket every play. So he's that way. But yeah, now it's kind of hard to watch. But it's kind of nice when you're playing against him when he's like the third option for scoring when he can't hit a three. So I like that. Yeah, I like that, too. But what I don't like is when he runs down the key and he turns his ass out and he just runs in like a, you know, he's, he's not trying to do a true box out. He mm -hmm. sprints in the lane and just throws his ass into the, you know, into like JaVale McGee's <laughs> hip to move him yeah. off his spot. Like that should be a foul every time. There was one play where he was trying to do that. Devin Booker like olayed him, let him miss. He went through, he fell down, but they called a foul on Devin Booker earlier in the game because on his way down, he's oh! You know, it's like all the ref sees is him falling down and Devin Booker put his hands up like, what the fuck did this guy just do? Yeah. You know, so again, that's reckless. You know, again, the way he flops around the court, it's, it's he, he looks like a freshly caught Marlin on uh, if you're in the Gulf of Mexico and you're going fishing, you catch a Marlin flopping around on the deck, you know, after you pull it in. That's what he's doing on the court. And that's dangerous, too, because he could fall into players legs. And then he's the king of the moving screen. Watch. Go back. Go to NBA.com tomorrow morning. Go and you can watch every play of every game. Watch it. You'll see that he mm -hmm. is always moving on every screen. It's annoying. And again, it's dangerous. He's going to bump knees with people. And he's just, he, he's top five most frustrating players to watch. He pisses me the frick off whenever I watch him because he, because he always has the Tim Duncan, what the fuck did I do face, you know, on offense and defense. And it, uh, you know, I'm glad that we could beat him, uh, Maybe that wasn't as aggressive as a rant because I'm trying to bring it down a little bit. I'm working on myself. Uh, but at the same time, screw Blake Griffin. Or as Dan Duarte says, fuck that guy. You're working. Yeah, he's stressful to watch. He is. So he's almost out of the league too. So. 
It's fine. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, he was their third scoring option tonight. You know, he ended with a total yeah. of, of uh, how many points coming off the bench? 16. No, no, I'm sorry. 17 points coming off the bench. It was, you know, him, Harden, and uh, Irving were everything. But as you mentioned, you know, two for six from deep. I'm okay with him going two for six from deep, uh, you know, because, again, that, that's where you want him to be. Uh, I think that his physicality and the way he was pushing DeAndre Ayton around a little bit was uh, tough for DA. You know, in his first game back, you get a flop artist go, uh, going against you like Blake Griffin. But, you know, what? I've spent too much time talking about Blake Griffin on this podcast. But I figured, I mean, because I won't be talking about him ever again because they won't make the finals. Uh, I figured we might as well just go to our jam star of the game. <laughs> Jam star of the game. Jam star of the game. I will say this before we do the jam star of the game. Everything that I just said to Blake Griffin, I'm going to tell him tomorrow night, Matthew. Are you? Is he staying at your hotel? No, no, no. But the Nets are hopping on a plane tonight. They're flying to Sacramento, and I bought tickets to go see the Kings play the Nets tomorrow night in Sacramento. So you don't even I'll be there anymore. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't work at hotels. I stay in hotels now, but I don't work in hotels anymore. Right, you yeah, go I'm tell actually. Him. Any Jamsters who are in the greater Sacramento area, if you're going to the game tomorrow night, hit me up on Twitter at Darth Voida. Just slide into the DMs. Uh, if you want to grab a beer, hang out during the game, let me know because I'm just I'm going to the game by myself. Uh, tickets are super cheap to Kings games. You know? Oh, I'm sure they are. It's 39 bucks to sit in the lower bowl. So I mean, yeah. even with the Nets coming to town, I'm sure Blake will listen to you just as well as I did during that segment. Just in and out. <laughs> Yeah, and, and well, you're having connectivity issues, but you know what? No one knew until you said it. Uh, Tony asked if I'm wearing your son's jersey, right, Void? I'm not wearing my jersey, but I will be rocking all my son's gear just to let everybody know. Uh, and I'll be I'll be looking at people. I'll be doing the Devin Booker, just looking at people. Be like, you got something to say? Go Suns, baby. <laughs> but uh, but anyways, jams jam star of the game, Matthew. It's kind of a tough one. Who are who are you giving the jam star of the game to? Well, I'm going to give it to Devin Booker. I'm, I'm a little scared to touch my browser because I keep getting dropped off. But um, it's it's absolutely Booker. Um, yeah, Big Dong Devin. Simple <laughs> as that. Devin. Will. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, I want to give it to CP3, right? I mean, the way that he played again tonight is just he, – he just continues to show why he is the point god. You know, 5 for 12 from the field, 20 points, 14 assists. I mean, his assist numbers are – bonkers recently uh 38 minutes a little heavy on the minutes but again you're playing the net so i'm good with it uh i want to give it to slash bridges as mike adams says um because again you know his his production in this game was absolutely valuable but like the majority of the jamsters it's devin booker i mean he was lights out he was efficient he was physical he was uh he was just he was showing national tv and Dwayne wade at the very end that's what was actually on the cake he's like hey even you guys in the studio say I'm not going to be good this game. You guys don't care, you know? So whatever. I'm just going to be great. I'm going to be legendary. And that's exactly what he was tonight. So, you know, a- another big win for the Phoenix Suns. Another big win for Devin Booker. Uh, I'm really excited to see if they actually, you know, if, if he gets any flowers tomorrow. It's always funny going the next day and seeing kind of what uh, people say and people write. You know, we, we shouldn't yeah, really yeah. care about that. But, you know. And, and that being said, if anybody's uh, going to be in the Tucson market tomorrow, I will be on uh, ESPN Tucson at 525 Arizona time to talk about the Phoenix Suns uh, with Justin Oh, Spears. very cool, man. Yeah, so he reached out to me. So 
Uh, I'll talk everything you hear there or you hear here, you'll hear there, except the F words. Uh, I won't say I won't be saying fuck that guy on the radio about mm-hmm. Blake Griffin because uh, I won't. I just won't. I, just, I refuse to. So, well, the weirdest thing is like, how does even Dwayne Wade say you're not going to score 30? Like, what? Is, how does that even come up to where you're going to deny book 30 points, which is very easy for him right now? I have no That's just idea, a weird man. thing to say. Go out it of your re- way to say that. Strange. Yeah, no, it, it really is. But uh, yeah, thanks for the motivation. We appreciate that, D Wade. Mm-hmm. Next up for the Phoenix Suns, yeah, they're going to head east. We're going to have some games with some earlier podcasts upcoming. Uh, their next game is against the Atlanta Hawks on Thursday. Matthew, the Hawks, a team that has definitely struggled thus far this year, right? Yeah, they're they're starting to turn things around a little bit more um, towards the second half. It's it sucks because at first I wanted to think about you know last year they looked so good and I wanted to pick them you know this year as maybe a, a finals contender because they were so close last year and I'm a big Trey Young fan of course, um, but I did see them last time they were here, so yeah, that's right. um, that was very interesting to see Trey Young live. And uh, it's like the one guy, of course, you got to look out for in this game. I haven't seen a lot of them play this year, but I do hear little birdie told me that they're actually kind of doing a little bit better. So look well, out. Huh? Suns might lose a game. Who knows? <laughs> oh, well, I, I know that Trey Young didn't play uh, tonight. He had he was out with a shoulder. Um, so I don't know how serious that is, if he's going to play on Thursday. My guess is he probably took a game off. Again, I don't know anything about I, the Hawks are a team that I've completely not followed this year. And it's a team that last year I really enjoyed. You know, there, there's certain teams that kind of outside of the Suns you pay attention to because they excite you, what have you. Um, the Hornets have become kind of that East Coast team for me versus the Hawks. I think the Hawks, I just there, there's something about Trey Young that just kind of irks me a little bit. You know, I get the whole ice cold thing as well. He should be. He's a very talented young guard. Uh, but I think he's just one of those guys who, again, maybe it's my my spite as a Suns fan for not getting recognition. And you see people like Trey young, get a ton of recognition. He gets all-star starts and things like that. It's just like, it kind of frustrates me a little bit, a little bit. Maybe I'm petty that way when it comes to my fandom. And you know what, that's what fandom is. You you're petty. And in some instances and some things just don't make sense, but uh, it's a team that I just haven't really followed, but you know, uh, I don't know what the outcome of their game was tonight, but entering tonight, they are 24 and 26. They're 10th in the NBA Eastern Conference. You know, this is a team that went to the Eastern Conference Finals last year. So they played tonight. Let's see. Who did they play? I don't know if I even have that. I can't touch anything else. I don't look <laughs> for you. I am just stand, or sitting here with my hands on myself. Did they play tonight? I'm just... I'm not. Did they even play tonight? I don't think. Nope, they didn't. So, yeah, 24, 26. There you go. You know, but again, we'll see. We'll see how they, how, again, not knowing the shoulder injury. If you have a shoulder injury, you're not going to play for a couple of days and prep up because the best team in the NBA is coming to your arena, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But also, Trey Young's one of those players. I feel like just he's going to be one of those where it's like when the team's not doing well, all is on his shoulders, of course. Stats are always there. Um, Whether or not, Anyone wants to make, you know, we got to build a better team around him. That's what they said last year. Hey, this team around him wasn't from the start last season. It was like these guys that came in, they're not helping out. 
they gotta do better. And then they went pretty far into the playoffs. So it's always gonna be back and forth with them. It's always gonna be like the starting quarterback of a of a team like I don't know, Matthew Stafford, where you know you hear like he might be like the suckiest best quarterback of all time. Maybe that's Trey Young, where he might be the suckiest best player in the league at certain times or in the it depends what's going on with his team. But he's always gonna be the same player. I think he's dynamic and I hate the shit talk that he gets all the time because eventually it'll pan out where he has a team around him that will make sense. And what's interesting is the Hawks didn't make very many moves this past offseason to improve. No, same thing. That's what, yeah, yeah, that's what, you know, you know, which is interesting because they were kind of like the Suns. They're a team that was close. You know, let's, they they went seven games with the Bucks. I think it was seven. And they were close. So they didn't change anything really, hoping that continuity and the growth of their youngs, much akin to the Suns, would propel them to the next level. Hasn't necessarily worked out this year. They've traded Cam Reddish to the Knicks. Kevin Knox is on their team now. The guy with 17 foreheads plays for the Hawks. I didn't realize that. Uh, and Ted Lubin brings up a good point. Trey's a foul hunter, not a fan of that shit. It's he. Sometimes he's a screamer too. Uh, and that kind of annoys me. Because again, Devin Booker, I know our guys do it too, but I just don't feel like they scream. Like, yeah, like they Griffin. don't. But at least we get another rant Thursday night from you. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, it depends. You know? But yeah, I might be ranting about Trey Young on that game. So uh, interesting game uh, is ahead for us. That's going to be at what time? Arizona time. That's, uh, that's an early game. It's a TNT anything. game. It's a TNT game. So it's 530 Eastern. Or is that right? 530. That... Wow. All so, right. Or 630. I don't know. I'm in like the Pacific. Time It'd be zone. 530 makes sense. They had the 530 and eight games. So there you go. So yeah, Stuff it's we should be... probably look up before the pod. Sorry, it, sorry, guys. So, sorry, we failed you. <laughs> do your own research. We failed you. <laughs> you know better than we do. So, uh, anything else you want to talk about before we get out of here? Uh, knowing that we just beat the Nets, man, we're forty-one and nine. No, I mean, <laughs> um, trying to think if I have. I'm going to take one last little look at my hoots. Um, yep, I would. I got... I got nothing. I just can't touch anything. So. I got, yeah, can't touch. You got nothing. Well, we went through a lot, dude, and I've we've been enjoying this. What a crazy like! Just do this podcast when the Suns are just like the best of all time. They've I was thinking about that yesterday, history. man. It is crazy. It's enjoyable, it's like, and it's something you that... and I started the podcast in like 2019 when the Suns were shitty because mm-hmm. you know we moved apart and we wanted to continue to talk about the Suns, and then like. I was thinking about the other day. I'm like, last season, the team was just unreal. We went to the fucking finals. And you and I did podcasts the whole way through, post-game pod. Didn't miss a game. And now this year, we're even better. It's like, dude, what a great time to start a podcast. I know. <laughs> I know. You know? I know? So, And thank you to all the Jamsters who have been along for the journey. You know, you really are. It's so it's so funny. It's like I have all these new friends, and they're all the people who come and join us after Suns games and talk shit. And they, they go through the highs and the lows. And thankfully, there's so many more highs than there are lows right now. Uh, and it's just great to have this discord and this conversation, not only with you, Matthew, but with the Jamsters. So we really appreciate you guys hanging out with us after the game, each and every game. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review. If you're listening to this podcast, if you're watching along live on YouTube, hit the thumbs up button, hit the subscribe button, and hit that uh, hit that bell notification button. It'll let you know when we're going live, which is right after every single Suns game. Uh, so until Thursday evening when the Suns play the Hawks, I bid you adieu, and I will talk my shit to Blake Griffin tomorrow in Sacramento. So join me. If anyone's there, hit me up. Yeah, if anybody lives in Sacramento, go join John. Uh, And everyone else, go home and love your family. Amen. Take care. We'll see you.